Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is Unbreakable with Jay Glazer, a mental health podcast. Helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glazer. Welcome into Unbreakable, the mental health podcast with Jay Glazer. I'm Jay Glazer. And what's cool about my podcast here is I get to bring on experts of all walks of life. And before I get to this expert, he is an expert in what he does, which is television hosting. But he's also more of an expert than probably anybody on the planet in dealing with Jay Glazer's crazy. So he's the perfect guest for today. So before I get to him, if you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year. Yet far too many fail to receive the support they need. Carol and Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carol and Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. All right, so welcome into Unbreakable Mental Health Podcast with Jay Glazer. And I would like to introduce to everybody here some of the America already knows, one of America's favorites, but certainly one of my favorites of all time. He is one of my best friends. He is a mentor. He is my psychiatrist. He is our humble host. He is the one and only Kurt Benefee. How are you, brother? Hey, man. Always good to be with you. Yes, I put up with your, your stuff, <laughs> but you should probably thank my wife for putting up with your stuff more than me. I'm sure we'll get into that later on. But your wife doesn't deal, have to deal with me on Sundays. You do. That, which that is, is true. That is true. Right. You know, but I've been doing this for 30 years now. Yeah. I mean, you and I have known each other since 1995. Right. Was when we first met in New York. And, and it is one of the things I always tell people I admire about you is, you know, you were writing for the free Giants newspaper. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, you got paid sometimes and sometimes you didn't. No, more than most of the times I did. Yeah, I, exactly. I didn't. So, but I mean, people see you now and they go, okay, look at Jake Laser and he's at this position. I go, he's worked his ass off to get there and he's fought through a lot and overcome a lot of hurdles. But you made yourself, you're, if there's a definition of a self made man, you are. And so that's why I'm a big supporter of you. I'm a big believer in you. And that's why I love you to death, brother. I appreciate you, brother. And what, what people don't realize here also, and this is a good lesson for people is, again, I, I was trying to piece it together all those years. And every time I can get any sort of job for any kind of money, I get it. Well, one year, I 
I was doing a radio show early on for uh, called Unnecessary Roughness for basically it was a free steak right at a at it was a Mickey Mantle's restaurant at another place and MSG Network was turning into a TV show and they said to me you could pick anybody you want to co-host this with any player you want to host this with who do you want and I said I want Kurt Menefee and they said Kurt Menefee. He's not a player. I said, I said, well, he was back in grade school, but right, exactly. middle, middle school, middle school, middle school. Middle school. Give me credit. <laughs> but the bigger thing for me was I said, I want to co-host with Kurt Menefee. And they said, why? I said, because I want to learn how to do TV and who better to learn from than Kurt. And it really was like, I got, like, I wasn't a host. And also like people, I, my first TV gig was New York one TV. And they said, I didn't go to school for this. I just went on there. I was like, Oh, we're, I like this. I think I'll get girls with, uh, you know, with being on camera. But that was a big thing for me to learn how to do TV from you. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. But I, I think that what you talked about is an example. It's one thing that I try and share with particularly young people mm-hmm. who always ask, hey, you know, how can I do this or, or how can I get to, to a certain position in life? And I go, do anything and everything. I mean, you, your example is a, a great one. But I go by the same thing. I, you know, I went to Co College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Division Three school. You know, everybody who watches our show has heard the jokes about, you know, 1,400 students, all this kind of stuff. But I've, I've never taken a journalism class in my life. I think they had Speech 101 or something. I didn't take right. that. So, like, we didn't have a campus radio station. We didn't have anything. But I knew that this is what I wanted to do. So I found a way, and I called up. Well, I interned at CNN the summer after my freshman year in college because CNN's based in Atlanta. I grew up in Atlanta, and back then, this is how old I am, CNN did sports. They had Sports Tonight right. with Hickman and Nick Charles, and it was actually bigger than Sports Center was at the time. Um, and so I yeah. interned there. Just, again, I got paid $5 for every three hours I worked, so that, that's definitely not even legal anymore. But that was <laughs> what I did for the summer because I knew I wanted to do this business. When I went back that fall, I called up every local station said, hey, I interned at CNN. I'm willing to do anything. And one guy wrote my number down, called me back four months later and said, are you willing to carry gear? I just need someone to do this. You don't get to be on TV. You don't get to be famous. John Campbell's his name, and I still keep in touch with him. He's retired now. But this is in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where I went to school. And so I did it. The next week, he said, will you do it again? I did. And then he said, you know what? What do you want to do in this business? And I said, well, I think I want to be a producer because I wanted to be behind the scenes. And, and you know, I never thought about that. I, I, nev- I never knew that about you. Yeah. I, I never, never knew that. Never. And I was 19 years old. And so um, I did that for a while. I taught myself how to edit by hanging around at CNN and watching the editors. And he taught me how to shoot a camera. And then he said, why don't you take the highlights we do at night and just put your voice down on tape. Just see what it sounds like, how it feels. I'm like, okay, sure. And so I did that. He took it to the news director, unbeknownst to me. And they said, well, why don't we have him start reporting on high school sports and and co-college? And then I started doing Iowa and Iowa State. But all this started when I was 19. And I go back to the same point, you know, with you. And it's a great lesson. Find a way, you know, the, the, this path that we all want for our careers and our lives. And we go, okay, this person did this, this, this. That's not how it's laid out for everybody. And that's not always how it works. You're going to reach a fork in the road and you're going to have to make a decision. And I made those decisions to volunteer. You made those decisions to make the commitment to something you want to do and stick with it. And there are going to be bumps in the road. It is not always going to be smooth, but it's never going to be laid out the way you sit down and try and draw out a plan and right. say, okay, in five years, this is where I'm going to be. What was the first, I guess, in your mind, big thing you did in the early part of that career? And I, I say big thing, you know, it could be your first, you know, local high school thing, whatever, because yeah. we're all shitting our pants in those first days we're doing. And still, you know, you go through different things because you want to be, you want to come off so great yeah. in how you do it. Yeah. yeah. You want to, you want the end result. Yes. 
you know, you don't want, like, we've all been there and some of us more than others, but you know how like you, you go on vacation or whatever and you take a break and then you got to get back in the gym and that first day sucks. Yeah, you know, it's it's like, oh man, I didn't realize. How. But we all want the end result. We want it to right. be like we are going to the gym all the time. But it's not like that when you start with your career or with your life or anything. There's there's the sucky part, and and so I think probably the first big thing I did, what I would consider a big thing, and I can tell you what, it, it got me a, a lot of notice amongst the people I was working with. So that's probably a better way to say it was um, that the University of Iowa hired a new basketball coach. And at the press conference, you know, you're working local TV and you're doing everything. I'm stringing up cable. I'm, uh, you know, trying to help set up the live shot. And then this, you know, Iowa in February, there's snow on the ground. And there's this hill I have to climb up and down and up and down. And you're trying to look like you should be on TV. But, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm snow covered. My feet are wet. I'm cold and all that. And I did that. And I went on the air. And looking back, it probably wasn't as flawless as people told me. But it, it felt flawless. It felt smooth. I got the first interview with a new coach, live on TV, all those kind of things. And that got me a lot of accolades um, because not only did people see it, and I'm you know, at that point, I may have been 20 because it was my junior year in college. Um, but the people that I work with saw that I wasn't someone who just wanted to be on TV and be famous or whatever, you know, and I know it's Cedar Rapids, but I was willing to do the work and I was willing to help out and I was willing to be one of the guys. And that gave me more opportunities because, like everything else, the more you do, the more people allow you to do, you know, if you show that you can do those kind of things. And So I think that was a big, big moment in my career because so much of what we do, and you and I have talked about this and all of us on the show talk about it, is relationships and trust Mm -hmm. amongst the people you work with. Everything. You can get them on your side. Then you're allowed to do so many more things. Also, you feel more comfortable and you have the freedom to do it. But, you know, it's not that you're doing it because it's, it's transactional. It's because you want to be respected by the people that you work with and that you consider, you know, the closest to you. So I think by doing that and having people say, wow, this kid's willing to bust his ass. This kid really wants to do this. He doesn't just want to be on TV. Um, so why don't we try to help him out? And people put their arm around me. And again, you know, when I graduated from college, I had been on the air for two and a half years, you know, and that's better than any classroom education you can ever get. But I got that because people embraced me and put their arm around me. And, you know, I think, you know, for Kurt and I too, again, he and I, he said, we've, we've walked this walk together for so freaking long. My the first year in New York was 89. And it took me till 99 to get a full-time job. And you, know, you have these relationships that you meet. But I, I also remember where, where you, for me, really came on the scene. It was 90. I moved to New York in 95. Right, right. Yeah. But, but so we became friends in 95. Mm-hmm. But 97, you broke the story. Of the New York Giants hiring Jim yeah. Fossil and who else they were interviewing. I'm like, damn, this is what I'm trying to do. And the local five guy, who's my one of my closest friends, hasn't even told me he's got a beat on this stuff. But uh, again, we've yeah. been able to see this this different part of us for all these years. So hey, you you breaking news has helped you feel establish oh, sure. you in New York. And 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 they did it because they trust you. Me trying to do television has established me better what I've done also. I'm not just trying to be an insider or a breaking news guy anymore. I'm trying to be a, a TV personality, which has more longevity. Yeah, but also, I keep repeating, it goes back to trust and relationships. Mm-hmm. And I can tell the story now because he's no longer with us, so he's not revealing a source. But, you know, when I was a local guy, went to New York in 95. You and I, the reason we became friends, I would hang out in the you know, media room. and all. Right. So it's nothing but a bunch of uh, writers, you know, and me. The TV guys, they come right. in, they get a, an interview for the right. one hour that the team lets them, and then they go home. They don't establish relationships, and so that was one of the things I did. And so I remember being in the office one day and the late, great George Young. My mentor. And it, same thing. 
same thing. And he's like, look, I see how hard you work. Right. If you ever need anything, call me. Now, I'm not saying George was feeding me stuff all the time, but, you know, he he helped. <laughs> he certainly yeah. helped. And he also helped if I had any questions about anything or, or trying to establish relationships. And I know he was big for you. Yeah. Uh, but that was the kind of man that he was. And everybody saw the old gruff and, and you know, curmudgeon guy who hated ages and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but it was another sign of someone they had trust in me right. because they saw my work ethic and how committed I was to, to trying to do the right thing. And it just goes back to, man, there's so much of this business and really life is about trust. And, and Kurt would see, or in the early days too, I would, I was a players coach guy in the Giants. People in the Giants were trying to get me fired all the time. Mm-hmm. And George Young, they were trying to get me fired, people. Yeah. Fired to lose my career, everything. Fired from a free newspaper he wasn't even getting paid. Right, right. <laughs> At New York One TV, which was giving me a car service. That was it. Right. <laughs> and George Young would scream at people in the building, leave him the hell alone. Yeah. He's a good kid. He works hard. But that same George Young, when I finally did start covering the, the NFL, George never had a drop of alcohol in his life. And, you know, as you know, Kurt, I'm, I was always doing it differently than everybody else. I was, you know, everybody else would have coffee meetings. I'd get up, I'd go fight, I'd come back, I'd drink in the bar till whatever time. And, and that was how I established it. George Young in the early NFL owners meetings would sit with me in the bar late at night just to establish me to other people that they could trust me. And yeah. that's where you and I together, I, I think it's always been what we've, had on the rest of the world. It's that authenticity. It's that loyalty. It's that trust. That's what goes so long. And I, I was trying to tell young reporters, like, don't go for the scoop. You work on the relationship. Exactly. You, you go for the scoop. You'll get the scoop. Burn it, right? Yeah. 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 You, you'll get the scoop. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? 
We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. What, what's the early piece of advice that you got? Like I'm saying here, mm-hmm. like, you know, don't go for the scoop, go for the relationship. What's the early piece of advice that still resonates with you to this day? I, I think it, it's, it's be yourself. You know, I, when you start out, and again, I think this transfers to this banking insurance, it doesn't matter what you're doing. We all see people and we go, I want to be that person. Right. I want to be like that person. Well, that person already has that job. You know, you've got to be you. You can't become them. You can learn from them. You can find out the, the pitfalls. You can find out that the benefits, the positive ways to do it, but you still got to do it within yourself and who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I, we go back to don't make this a love fest, but I mean, you you found a way to do it your way. You weren't doing it the same way that other insiders were doing it or writers when you were writing for the New York Post were doing it. And the same way with me, it's like you've always got to be yourself because if you're trying to be someone else, you're going to fail at that. Because again, that job's already taken, but you can only fake it for so long. You've got to be yourself and I don't care what business that is, what industry it is, or what relationship. I mean, hell, if you're married or dating someone, you can't fake being the person that you're, you're not. Uh, and I think that was a piece of advice I got really when I was starting out in this business. Probably, you know, I, I talked about John Campbell, the same guy that got me started and said, put your voice down on tape. You know, don't try to sound like someone else. Just, you know, mm. your voice works for you. Your rhythm works for you. Your cadence works for you. Do it your way. And then you'll get better at it. You'll find a way to massage your personality or your job skills into the job that's required. But it's still got to be you. You know, exactly what you're saying. I've always tried to be different. Mm-hmm. And different is scary for most people, right? Mm-hmm. People want to be a face in the crowd. Yep. I'm always like, fuck that. I'm going to build my own crowd. But I needed my people when all the hours were getting shot at me for being different to lean into. And that was always you. That was always Strahan. And by the way, I talked about that show, Kurt, and I did Unnecessary Roughness. We had to convince a different jet and giant to drive into New York City once a week in the cavern in Madison Square Garden, which is outside in the cold, and do this yeah. show with us. In and December, most people January, bailed on us. Yeah. Most people bailed on us. So our go-to guest was always Strahan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because also, like you said, there was no car service. There was you know, nothing yeah. they got uh, for doing it other than just to thank you from us. And anyone who's lived in New York, driving in and out of the city from New Jersey, and if you might correct me, I think we were doing the show at like 6, 37 o'clock. So they were in our traffic, you know? So they really had to do a favor. Um, But again, it goes back to relationships. And, you know, I give you credit for all of those relationships. People were doing it as a favor for you. But I I also, but but you were also, okay, but you were also, and this work, a guy like Michael got it. You were telling them, and Tiki got it too. He was saying, hey, guys, this is your chance. You would tell Mm -hmm. them, this is your chance to work on something that you could do after you're done with football. And that's why they jumped it up. But that was you. You saw that. I didn't see it. That was just my relationship. You, that was yourself. Teamwork. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So there is another part of, again, our relationship here, folks. And, and, uh, it happened this past Sunday. But I've been doing it for a long time. 
is when I have my meltdowns on Sunday, I would turn to Kurt. I wouldn't turn to anybody else. I'd always turn to Kurt. And I've been doing that for for 30 years or whatever, you know, of Sundays, even when we weren't doing Fox. But even at Fox and Apple Sunday, I turn to you, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm just – I would have meltdowns. We'd have basically therapy sessions before we're going on the air. Yeah. Which was – like, I don't know how you were able to multitask that. And it's not just for me. It's with Terry. It's with everybody else. But you're able to multitask. But, man, without being able to have that, I, I you know, I don't know how I would have gotten through it all these years. I'm, I'm appreciative of you saying that. But to me, it's just what you do for a friend. You know, you can say it's before we go on the air and it helps you, you know, on the broadcast or it makes the broadcast better, whatever. Good. That's a side benefit of it, but it's what you do for a friend. If you've got a friend that's in need and whether that's, you know, in that moment or whether it's a long-term thing, you know, we all struggle. I mean, even quote unquote, those of us who are fun and happy all the time, we all have our moments, man, where we just kind of need somebody to lean on somebody to talk to. And, you know, I think you have been at the forefront of having this discussed, particularly in, in, in the macho world of sports. And I mean, you look at you, you're an MMA and football, which are, probably two of the most alpha male sports there are, and you made it okay for people to talk about it. But before that, you needed someone to talk to in that moment, and I'm your friend, and I'm here for you. How can I help you? And, you know, and I, I think one of the struggles that we all have, or at least I'll, I'll speak for myself, that I have is you want to help that friend. Sometimes there's nothing you can do except put your arm around them and listen and have a conversation with them. You can't shake someone out of this sometimes. You can't, hey, suck it up and, and be tough. You can't force somebody you know, into a place you want them to be. Sometimes the way you do that is just by sitting there and listening and letting you open up and letting you share or just go, you know what? Hey, I get your brother. There are days like that. I'm sure it sucks, but I'm here for you. And sometimes that's all you can do. But, you know, according to you, at least, that makes a big difference for you. You know, but when you're different, I was going to say, just to finish, I think we all get tied up in when someone comes to us, Mm -hmm. we want to have the answers. And sometimes the answer is, I don't know the answer, but I'm here for you. And that's okay. And that's good enough sometimes. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. But where you're different than most of the world is you don't do it on your timeline. So this Sundays is just, Sundays is as big a day for you as is for the rest of America. Right. And yet, you know, my, and I don't mean to pull away. And people used to say, but why don't you tell those guys? Because it's their Sunday too. I don't want to do it, but all these years I did tell Kurt and it could be 15 minutes before going on the yep. air and something's in my head and I'm melting down and brother, people just aren't like that where they just go, okay, I'm about to have the biggest moment of my life also here every single Sunday, but let me go step aside for him. Kurt, people just aren't like that, dude. Well, are just not like that. I, 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 you I, are. I'm appreciative of you saying that. I believe in helping others. And to me, that's a way to help. It costs me nothing other than a smile. And yeah, I'm emotionally invested because you're my friend. But I mean, there's 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 no dollar cost. There's no time cost. It is me doing the best I can for someone I care about, someone I love. I and to me, that's all I look at. And so that, I try to live my whole life that way. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, everything I do, I try to, to, to serve other people in some capacity and not look at it, what do I get out of it? Because for me, and I know this sounds hippie and hokey and all this kind of stuff. But I get joy out of other people's pleasure, out of other people's happiness. I can go back to, and again, I can tell this story because he's not in the league anymore. <laughs> and I know people look at it. Jim Tom Sula was considered a failure as a head coach in the National Football League. He coached one year with the San Francisco 49ers. I knew Jim Tom Sula when he was volunteering as a coach at Catawba College in North Carolina, then started volunteering to do NFL Europe. Guy never had a coaching job, wound up with Mike Nolan in San Francisco. You know, we, his family and I have been friends all these years. The reason I'm telling this story is I was the year he got hired. It was in January and I was in New York City and I get out of the subway station on my phone. I have a message from Jim Tom Sula. So I answer it and I still have it on my phone to this day. He lasted one year, got fired, became an assistant in Washington. He's out of the league now, back living in Europe. But the point was he was so excited about getting that head coaching job for the San Francisco 49ers, that it made my heart happy. It brought yeah. me joy. It brings me joy to see other people in good positions and to be happy. And that's how I try to live my life in every single way. So if you're in a bad spot and I can help you get into a good spot, no matter what it takes, to me, that's the benefit of it. You know, that's the joy that I get. That's the pleasure I get. So that's how I look at it. And again, I, I know it sounds yeah, idealistic and, you know, what is it that the, the John Lennon imagine? You know, you may say I'm a dreamer, right. but I'm the only one. You know, I know there yeah. are people like out there, and then you may just not uh, run into them on a daily basis, or maybe they don't share it with you. Uh, but there are a lot of people out there that their, their joy is other people's joy. 
So now, Kurt and I, we just had a town hall meeting this week with Fox, our 30th year at the NFL and Fox. And the, and, and you said it in front of everybody and you said it a lot. And we both agreed. Like, the, I think the best moment we've ever had at Fox Sports is exactly what you're saying about when something happens to somebody else. When Jimmy Johnson got notified he was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame live on our air. Yeah. Which, by the way, you see me running out late to this because you thought our producer, Bill Richards, told me. Bill thought you told me. <laughs> I'm sitting in our – you, Kurt and I would share a green room or a dressing room. Together. I'm sitting there trying to get scoopage, and I look up on the monitor, and I'm like, what the hell is David Baker doing here? I come running in here late. Yeah. Um, but just kind of replay that yeah. for, for the world it behind is, the scenes. I consider that the, the greatest moment in 30-year yeah. history of Fox Sports. Yeah, I've been on the pregame show for 18. Is this 19 for you? 20. 20. So, like, you and I have not been there from day one, but we've been there a hell of a long time. Fuck yeah, we so have. I think, I think we can, <laughs> we're qualified to say what are good moments. Uh, and so I knew that happened, obviously, on a Sunday. It was a playoff game between Seattle and Green Bay. And I'm trying to think. I knew on Tuesday or Wednesday that week uh, that I was told, but I couldn't say a word to anybody. And I knew, you know, they didn't, like, even tell our, our director, our producer, right. our CEO of Fox Sports, Eric Shanks, Bill Richards, our producer, and myself, we were the only three people that knew. Everybody else, they kept secret, audio people, technical people, whatever. So I had to keep this a secret all week. That was the other challenge. So uh, on the Saturday, CBS... Did, did you tell your wife? No. No. Was she mad? No, she she enjoys moments <laughs> like that. She, she understands. Okay. You know what happens? It's a valid question. <laughs> yeah, it's a valid question. But if I tell her, and in a moment she lets it slip to, you know, yeah. Yep. 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 She, she talks to Howie's wife a lot, and and you know, you don't want it to get out. So anyway, on Saturday, CBS has a playoff game. We're all sitting in the hotel room, yep. and we're watching the game. And David Baker from the Pro Football Hall of Fame goes on the show to announce Bill Cowher's going into the yep. Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it's emotional and everything. And so Jimmy sees that, and he goes, "Well, I guess I'm not getting in this year." Now I know he's getting in, but I can't say, "Don't worry about it; you're getting in." So I got to kind of play along. And I'm like, well, you know, it's not that big. Jimmy, you know, it's like, it'll happen for you at some point. Oh, I don't even care. You know, I don't need the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I can keep But, you know, he's got to be the tough guy at that point. So then I saw him the next morning, early the next morning, he came in. And I could see he was still, he was, he was, he's bummed out. Because he thought that was the year he was going to get in. He was bummed out. And I'm, you know, inside, I'm just like, God, just <laughs> let me give him a little bit of relief and tell him it's going to be okay. But if I do that, then it, it gives away at least a hint towards the secret. So I have to keep it. We go and we do the pregame show because the pre uh, the previous game on CBS. By the way, we, we were all consoling him. Like I was sitting yeah, there with the monster. Everybody like, thought, yeah, we were all it right. was going to happen. And you had to watch all of us console him at knowing. different points during that day, knowing right. Yeah, I, I should win an Oscar for my act. You actors. really should. <laughs> yes. So at CBS, they have a Sunday morning playoff game. It runs long, so our pregame show is on, but we know look, people are watching that playoff game, so the audience isn't that big. You want to do it, you want to do it in front of a big audience. It had been planned to be on our pregame show that Sunday, but because the other game ran so long, they decided, eh, let's not do it, let's save it for halftime. So then we go through our pregame, and again, Jimmy's like, well, they did it on the CBS pregame yesterday. Right, right, right. They didn't do it for me yesterday. They didn't do it on the pregame, so he's definitely done. I mean, he's just like, all right, it's not going. So then that's when it became fun, actually, because I knew he's going to be totally surprised by it. 
So when we go on for the halftime, they asked uh, Troy, who was doing the, the playoff right. game, to stay there, and they put a camera on And Troy didn't know why. They're like, just stay in and watch halftime. So they put a camera on him, and I think you saw the tears from Troy. You saw the joy of us in the studio. And I just knew my job was, hey, before we get to the highlights, I want to bring out a special guest. And then that's when David Baker walked out and made the announcement that, hey, Jimmy Johnson, you're going to be, I can't remember the number, but yeah. whatever it is, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we all thought Jimmy was going to pass out at that point. Yep. Because <laughs> Jimmy has asthma, and he's got a nebulizer. <laughs> but he starts breathing, and you're like, oh, boy, is he going to die right here on the set? You know? So that was the big worry at that point. But it was one of the, again, you, we talk about great moments in the history of Fox Sports, and, and sorry to belabor the point, but it, it's one of those things that you, I got joy out of because I knew yeah. how much it meant to Jimmy, even though he wanted to try and pretend it didn't. And what was cool, folks, is afterwards, me and Kurt, Jimmy, and, and Bill, and our, our whole crew. And that's the other thing about us at the NFL and Fox. Our, it's not just the six of us that hang out constantly. It's our producers, our directors, our associate producers, our president, our CEO, our executive, like everybody. It, it's a rolling party. It never stops. And it, it's what makes us all you know, shine on the air because all of us are so close. We went to Dan Tanner's restaurant after, and this was like a hangover, right? We go in there and Jimmy comes in, it goes up on the, on the TV in there and people start singing happy hall of fame, like his happy yeah. birthday. People throwing up napkins. A guy from ZZ Top was there. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a movie. Billy Gibbons came over. It was like the hangover. It's unbelievable. Exactly. It was perfect. And so that was really kind of a cool moment because not only did Jimmy get in, you got the announcement on TV. You got to see the emotion with him and Troy, one of his former players, and all his current coworkers of, of those of us doing it. But then he goes out there and he sees how much he's appreciated by the general public, and how much this moment meant to other people. And I think he got emotional again. And so, again, that is not only one of the top yeah. moments in, in Fox Sports history, it's one of the top moments of my life. Like when you go back and no go doubt. to the next of all the cool things that we've been blessed and fortunate enough to be a part of, that's going to be in the top three for sure. What is the cool? So, all right. So we've done, again, people don't know, Kurt and I, man, we labor, we work, we work, we work, we work. And every time we get to, and we're the only ones not on the show. The other ones, are, we know why they're on the show. They're a Hall of right. Fame yeah. players or coaches. <laughs> Kurt yes. and I aren't. We are Hall of Fame hustlers, though. Yeah. Right? That's exactly what we are. We mm-hmm. have outworked the fucking world to get to where we are. And we have been turned down and rejected. And we just, we don't. Stop, right? Mm-hmm. But every time something really cool happens for us, I'll usually turn to Howie and go, hey, I know we're supposed to act like we've been there before, but <laughs> fuck that. I haven't. This is right. cool, right? So yeah. we've got, I did that. We got inducted to, you know, broadcasting the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And for the coolest one for me, we were doing the Emmys pre-show mm-hmm. and you're yeah. at the desk, you, Howie, Jimmy, and myself and Kurt, I mean, Kurt, uh, Stray and Terry doing uh, interviews on the red carpet. And I'm right. I'm telling you, Kurt, I'm like, Kurt's so far from New York One TV and MSG <laughs> Network, right? Yeah. What's that to me is still kind of stuck out. It's just like, you've got to be shitting me. How did I get here? Give me the biggest moment for you of like, how the fuck did I get here? Type of moment. You know, I always go eight year old me. That's my line. Okay. I can tell the eight year old me, you're right. going to do this. You think you're crazy. So that's my perspective with everything. And I think it is, it, it's kind of a, I know this is, going to sound like a cop-out, but it's not. The general answer of being able to call not only work friends, but real friends, Howie Long, Michael Strahan, Jimmy Johnson, Jay Glazer, Terry Bradshaw, Hall of Famers. Like When I was a kid, the first NFL game I ever went to, I saved up my grass-cutting money, bought a ticket to an Atlanta Falcons-Pittsburgh Steelers preseason game, 
went by myself, sat in the stands. Uh, it was uh, Terry didn't even play that game because it was preseason. He hurt his elbow, so I didn't get to see. But like he was a guy who was winning Super Bowls when I was a kid. Howie Long was winning Super Bowls when I was a kid. Yeah, I knew Michael his second year in the league, but I mean Michael's a Hall of Famer in a whole different category of, of human being. Jimmy Johnson was coaching the Dallas Cowboys to two Super Bowls when I was in Dallas as a local guy, and he was the mean, gruff guy that you barely get tied with. But like you get all these people, and you're like, okay, wow, I get to be with them and watch football and learn from them. I mean, so much of it, you know, you're there. We'll sit there and they'll break down a play or a strategy or, hey, Jimmy, what would you do in this situation? And, you know, it, it's taught me a lot about the game to be with them on a regular basis, but also to consider them friends and to spend time in the offseason. Or, you know, I'll sit here and, and the phone rings and it's Jimmy. And Jimmy's like, hey, Kurt, what you got going? He just called him to shoot the crap. Yeah. Like, Jimmy Johnson's calling me to shoot the crap. I mean, th- th- that's all it is. There's no agenda there whatsoever. So I think those are the moments that I look and I go, I can't believe this is where I am in life. You know, I, I, I really do. It's, it sounds again like a cop out and I'm not selling the show. Yeah, it is a cop out. So no, that, I want to, I want a moment. No, but, yeah, no, I want a moment though. That <laughs> I want one of these things that we've done. Cause that's the other thing. Kurt and I will also pull each other's side and go, Oh, we can't really tell each other. Like, man, we just, cause we, we don't, we, you do want to act like you've been there before, but you also say a thing. I want eight year old Jason and, you know, eight year old Curtis to right, always so here, know. Here's one and it didn't yeah. happen. But well, then you can't say it if it didn't happen. No, 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 no. You don't understand why. The first Super Bowl I was host of for Fox was in uh, was the Giants against the Patriots, the upset year. The okay, oh seven, two thousand eight, straight year. Yeah, yeah, two thousand eight, January right. that year mm-hmm. uh, in the Super Bowl in Arizona. And so you know, obviously, the halftime show and all this kind of stuff. And Scott Ackerson was our producer at the time, and he pulled me to the side. And he goes, hey, you know, the Super Bowl Sunday, Tom Petty is doing halftime, but he's asked for you to introduce him. And I go, what? He goes, yeah, but I want you to know that Fox is fighting it because they want Ryan Seacrest to introduce him because American Idol was the big show at the time. They wanted to tie him to music. He goes, but I didn't want you what to. What a shitty thing to tell you before the game. <laughs> no, 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 this was, this was uh, the day before. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I thought you were talking about game day. I was like, no, 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 well, no, that's no. when you need to turn to me. Okay, go. Yeah, I don't know. On, on okay, Saturday. go ahead. Go ahead. So at his point, he goes, look, I'm telling you because I don't want you to hear from someone else that he wanted it and Fox fought it. They're doing it because they're trying to pump up American Idol, which was right. a new show at that time, all this kind of stuff. Wow. At that point, I'm like. I didn't know this. I'm, well, the same thing. I'm like, Tom Petty knows who I am? Are you serious? He goes, yeah. Specifically, he asked for you. He didn't just say somebody else. He said Kurt Benefee. So that was one of the coolest things, and it didn't happen because Fox won and Ryan Seacrest. That's cool, though. Yeah. But that's a cool moment to have in your life and your background. It's like, yeah, I was that close. Yeah. That is really damn close. I, I still, I, we do get to work with our best friends, obviously, mm-hmm. right? It really is true. Like, man, we are best friends, and it's just, it, it'll never happen again. Like, we talk about, you know, the last dance. Our show is the last dance. It'll never happen because I, I don't think you'll ever have another show that is able to check individual egos the way we do that how much we just love each other and want the best for each other and hang out with each other and even though we do have a million other things going on we make sure hanging with each other is a priority so i always talk about in mental health you know make sure you have your team you know having a team having a team helps you out through those dark times and if you can get through those dark times and the good times are waiting to happen for you it's how you handle those dark times but it is having that team i don't think there'll ever be another team like this that ever exists in the history of television. I well, just can't see it ever happening. I think the thing you said is everybody checks their ego at the door. 
Uh, and I think that's really clear with everything we do. And not only do you check your ego at the door, it goes back to a little bit of what I was saying earlier. Everybody's supportive of one another. Right. I want you to succeed. Yeah. Howie wants me to succeed. You know, Michael wants Jimmy. Everybody's pulling for each other. You know, the, the, what, the rising tide lifts all boat, that kind of philosophy, right. whatever. I think it's more than that because I think it's a genuine caring. It's not that if he's big, it'll make the show bigger, which will make me bigger. No, no, no. It's I want him because he's my boy. He's my guy. Right. I'm pulling for him to succeed. And that's what I don't know. Certainly right. not with you know, six different personalities who are all, you know, taking Very alpha. the loop. But you know, <laughs> they're all Hall of Famers and they're all right. Yeah. You know, they're, they've all got, as Howie likes to say, reason to peacock. Everybody's got their own strength that they bring, yet everyone is willing to go, what's best for us? And we're all very alpha. And yet we're also... Yeah, let's, you're right. You feel protected in there. We yep. check each other a lot, uh, but man, we check each other like crazy. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's. But we love each other right, right off the bat, right? Yep. Shit, Kurt will come to me and go, "Hey, I'm just telling you this," and I'll fucking melt down on Kurt. At one time, particularly, right? I went, kind of went off on you, and I called you later at night and said, "Hey, thank you for telling me that." Like I need yeah. to hear it. That's a friend. That's it. Yeah, that's how it should be, though. Right. We, we all need those people in our lives. Um, to me, and using that as an example, one of the worst things you can do as a friend is just always tell them what they want to hear. Right. Sometimes you got to tell your friends yeah. they, they don't want to hear, but if you're really their friends, this is what they need to hear. This is where they need to, to be. This is what they need to realize in the moment. And it goes both ways. That friend has to be willing to share that with you and just say, you know what? I think you're being a little sensitive about this or, you know, you're going down the wrong path or you're reading this the wrong way rather than just go, yeah, screw that. You know, okay. <laughs> we can all be, be that. But that's not what you need in a genuine friend. But I think that's what helps you handle the ups and downs. You know, the ups and downs that, that come in all aspects and, and all walks of life. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you the one question that I ask every guest we have on. Mm-hmm. Give me the one moment that should have broken you, could have broken you, but didn't. And as a result, you came through the other side of that tunnel stronger, and you're able to use that as your currency for the rest of your life. Certainly from a professional standpoint, one of the things that stands out is that you know, I, I told you I started on the air when I was 19 years old, working in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I graduated from there and got off the job in news because they didn't want to add a third full-time person in sports. I said, no, I want to do sports. Wound up going to Des Moines, worked there, went to Madison, Wisconsin, which was the first job I had behind an anchor desk. I was the weekend sports anchor. So I was there, and I was coming up two years. My contract was coming up. And there was this organization called uh, Ms. Lou Sports News Network, SNN. And they were what ESPN News what that used to be now, but it was just sports news, 24 hours. They didn't do games, they didn't do anything else. It was highlights, news, highlights, news. They were based out of Washington, D.C. And they said, hey, you know, we're starting up this national company. This is 1990. Well, it's actually, it was the end of 1990, August of 1990, going into 91. And they offered me a job, looking to take the next level, going from the weekend anchor in Madison, Wisconsin, this national platform. I said, yeah, I'll do it. So I left and went, again, being single, uh, certainly helped. I went there in August of 1990. In December of 90, they go bankrupt. And so you got the holidays. Nobody's hiring. January of 91, the first Gulf War breaks out. Nobody's hiring, sports guys in particular. So I'm unemployed at that point. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm 25. So it's not like I have a a life savings. You know, I I got no money. I'm unemployed. Uh, I come from a single-parent household. So I went back and spent Christmas with my mom. But it wasn't like there was money I could rely on there. I go back to Madison, Wisconsin, and I wound up living with uh, some friends, my husband and wife, and they allowed me to, to stay with them, but they were college friends. So I knew them, and I wound up being 
out of television for eight months until July the following year. And then I got offered a job in, in Jacksonville, Florida, and wound up going there. And, and the rest wound up being history, as they say. But that's a moment where I had to decide, okay, am I committed to this or am I going to do something else? You know, I did whatever I could. And it, there, there was no freelance TV jobs back then, for sure, or freelance radio. It was, I went and volunteered. I went and worked on a, a Senate campaign for Russ Langholz. I wound up beating this four-term senator at that point. He was a local guy. And I, the only reason I worked for his campaign because I needed a job. And I met him on a flight. So wow. I met him on the flight when I was going to SNN for the interview. And he was sitting beside me. He recognized me from TV. We got to talking. Exchanged numbers. So when I got back, I'm like, uh, I kind of need something to do. He was like, okay, get wants to come work on my campaign. So he wound up uh, winning, but that's beside the point. The, the point is, there were eight months where I had pretty much no income, zero income. I was living with friends in a town that I didn't grow up in. And I had to make a decision, okay, how committed are you to this being your career? Because at that point, you kind of need a job. <laughs> you need something else. Maybe it's time to turn the corner and not do this. You know, maybe I need to sell insurance or or work at a bank or, or whatever the other job is. I was a history major. Maybe I need to be a teacher. Um, but I knew that in my heart, I'd be disappointed in myself if I didn't keep fighting. And that something would show up and that would allow me to do what I want to. Now, what level? I never thought about being a you right. know a network show or whatever. It was just getting a job and being a, a, in sports locally again. And when I got the job in Jacksonville, it was, it was a sense of relief. But it, it taught me how to fight through adversity because we all like to think we could. In, in moments when times are tough, I'd be tough. You don't find out until times are tough. you know. And, and that was an eye-opening moment. And that's one that I will never forget. Uh, and it's one that I, I don't mind sharing with people because I think a lot of people get in that situation. You know, it's the, um, the book that I wrote, uh, Losing Isn't Everything, you know, about people losing famous events and World Series and, and Olympics. But part of the reason I wrote that, because I wanted people to get lessons out of it. And, and my story is the same. Life is not smooth. We're all going to have adversity. You're going to lose your job, unfortunately. You get divorced. You lose a loved one. There are hard things that we have to deal with. I think there are lessons that come out of sports and, and jobs and things that you can learn from other people. But what are those lessons? And that's why I don't mind sharing that story, because I think I've certainly learned a lesson about perseverance. And hopefully other people can, too, just by hearing it. Man, well, I'm obviously so glad you didn't quit because if you didn't quit, I would be screwed. I mean, if you quit, <laughs> I'd be screwed. You know, again, he is America's free game host to me. You should say America's sweetheart. That's what you're going to say. Just yes, say no, America's sweetheart. There you to go. me, he's my therapist slash host and uh, one of my best friends I could ever hope for in my life, man. Love you, brother. I appreciate you, brother. Again, Kurt Menefee here on the Unbreakable Podcast. Thank you, bud. Thank you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. 
It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 